over competing alternatives. And Jesus said that if we would seek first the kingdom, Paul said, I do one thing, amen? In other words, I'm giving priority to it, amen? I'm making it my priority. There's competing alternatives. You understand this as believers and in our walk with Jesus, amen, there's competing alternatives. Man, the devil... Well, you know, how many of you have seen little babies? Babies are easily distracted. You know, praise God. I got three kids, five and under. Hallelujah. They're easily distracted. You know, you take your keys out. You know, my little girl, Savannah, she's one years old. I can, I can take out my keys. You know, she can be fussing. I can go, look, shake them. Ooh, something shiny. Right? She's easily distracted. How many of you saw the movie Up? Remember the, remember the, squ- the dogs would be talking to them? They would, squirrel. Like that, get, distra- what, get distracted. Squirrel. It's like the devil saying that to a lot of believers. They say, squirrel, oh, what? You know, and we get distracted. There are competing alternatives. But if we'll do the one thing, what's that? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Your career is going to be pulling on you. Relationships are going to be other relationships with people that might be good, but if they're out of the right order, they're wrong. You're never going to run out of things in this world that are competing for your attention and for your focus, but this is the key to it. Seek first. Like Paul said, I do one thing. Amen? And that is seeking first the kingdom of God. Amen? Well, praise God. We want to welcome everyone out to Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta. Praise God. Aren't you excited to be here? God's called you to be here, to be in the kingdom for such a time as this, to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world from Valdosta, Georgia. Amen. That is not an oxymoron, and it's not a mistake. Amen. From Valdosta, Georgia, ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. Amen. And so uh, this is the thing, man. Don't think people ain't talking about this church. Pastor Earl shared with you, man, he's meeting people down in Orlando at Disney World. That know, they, that they're from Valdosta. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that church. Amen. You, know, you realize right now there's probably dozens of people, maybe dozens of families, driving around Lowndes County right now that for three years they've been thinking about going to Anchor Faith Church. One day they're all going to wake up and they go, you know what, today is the day that we're going to Anchor Faith Church. Amen? Praise God. What, we're not looking at the things that are seen, but we're looking at the things that are unseen, and God doesn't forget your labor of love. Amen? And we've been here in this town plowing and turning ground, and it's going to produce fruit. Amen? So praise God. We just want to let you know, Pastor Earl, and, and we've got a missions team uh, down in Umacao, Puerto Rico, and just had some wonderful testimonies shared with the church uh, this morning. They said that uh, so many of the people, one thing that Pastor Marcy was sharing that just uh, really stuck out to me was that so many people in Puerto Rico, the younger people, 35 and under, are just so burned out with religion. Because the two biggest uh, denominational influences that are there in Puerto Rico are uh, the Catholic Church and Pentecostal churches. And, you know, and good people in both denominations, don't get me wrong, but could we all be steeped in religion, right? And said that the young people just, man, they just don't want nothing to do with religion. And so when the missionary teams, the missions teams out sharing with them, they said, well, good, we're not here to talk to you about uh, religion. We're here to talk to you about the kingdom. Amen? And people are like, tell me about the kingdom of heaven. Tell me about the kingdom. What are you talking about? What do you mean the kingdom of heaven? Oh, we're talking about God's government in your life. Amen? Praise God. Some of the guests we had, you know, just stay with us. Amen. 
We, you, you stay with us, you've got to come back at least five times to experience Anchor Faith Church, right? To get it all. Amen. Because you understand that every sermon that is taught, whether it's myself, Pastor Earl, Pastor Mark, whoever comes and ministers the Word, that we can give you that and it can be a standalone sermon. But uh, I'm telling you, when I'm studying, when I'm hearing stuff, I'm hearing sermons that Pastor Earl taught two years ago. Stuff I've heard Pastor Mark uh, minister uh, while he, down in St. Augustine, Pastor Mike, the other pastoral staff, is that if you stay with it and you give attention to it, amen? You understand that the Bible says, remember the story about uh, the, the Berean believers, when Paul was talking about the Berean believers, and he said the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they daily searched the Scriptures to see if the things they were being taught were so. And that word noble means of higher birth or higher rank. You want to up your rank in the kingdom? Be like a Berean. Study the Scriptures daily. Don't just go, just don't come to church and go, oh, wow, that's a good sermon. And then a week later, what did the preacher say? Oh, I don't know, but it was good. What? Give yourself those things. What's, really, what's more important for you to study in your life than the Word of God? Amen. It's amazing how many people you'll ask, they'll, they'll say, man, I believe the Bible, every word of it. Have you read every word of it? Well, uh, no. How long have you been born again? About 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 in 10 years you've not managed to squeeze in and read the whole Bible? Amen. You understand that we, think about what we say. We say this book, the words that are in this book, we believe that the words in this book are instructions for how we're supposed to live our lives. Huh? What did the Bible say in, in Timothy? It says, all scripture is given, uh, is, is given by God, inspired by God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. Make, make yourself like one of those Bereans. Man, don't just get it and say, boy, that was a good nugget. Get it. The sermons are all loaded up on, online for free. Man, get a CD, take you some notes, go back and study it because I'm going to tell you what, people will go to school for four years, six years, eight years, ten years to get a degree, and they're just reading so they can pass a test and get a little piece of paper that says, look, I got a piece of paper from a school that says I'm smart. Amen? But you understand that we should be studying this because this, these are words of life. Peter told Jesus, he said, where else are we going to go, Lord? Only you have the words of life. Amen? So we need to give this a special attention. But people down there, man, they're starving, man, for the kingdom. Man, they can't tell, tell us more about the kingdom. And so it's going to be good, man. Pastor Arnell, they, people already know him. Amen? People already in town already talking about, yeah, I know that guy, Arnell. Pastor Arnell, he's come down here, he's going to start a church. So it's stirring. Amen? And God's got, you know, amen. Y'all just don't know where, where this thing's going to go. Amen? It's bigger than us, but it takes all of us, right? That's what Pastor Earl says. The vision is bigger than any one of us, but it takes all of us. Amen? So praise God. We just remember them prayer. They'll be coming back tomorrow. Amen? Get back in town tomorrow night, and I'm sure Pastor Earl's going to be, uh, he's going to be so jacked up, man, he'll be ready to go into hell with a squirt gun and, and shoot the devil right in the face. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. He's going to be all pumped, man. Hallelujah. Well, we want to remind you, if you haven't got one already, uh, we have these available over here. This is a copy of the Pauline prayers. Uh, these are prayers uh, from Scripture. Uh, that the Apostle Paul, they were spirit-inspired prayers that the uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote, and these are some prayers we've uh, taken these uh, out of the Scripture. We've put them in this little handout that we have available, and it was prayers like uh, that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, the Philippian church, the Colossian church, and the Thessalonians, and the places where it said you or you Corinthians or whatever. We've substituted Anchor Faith Church and us and we in there so that. You can get these because you understand the most effective prayers you can pray is when you are praying the Word of God. Amen. 
you pray in the Word. Why? Because Jesus, when Jesus was giving us the outline for prayer, He said we're supposed to pray, Your, uh, Our Father. How many of you have all learned this? How many of you all went to you know, uh, church when you was a little kid, went to Sunday school, and you learned this lesson? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, do we believe that the Word of God is God's will? Amen. So the most effective prayers you pray is when you're praying God's Word. So if we've taken these prayers that Paul, the, that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to pray for the churches, and we've personalized this for Anchor Faith Church. You know, it's good. You can take it and personalize it. Put your name in it. Amen. Uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan said he used to that he prayed that prayer several times that he would just go in before he would begin to study his Bible. He'd open it up and, and he'd pray the, in particular the Ephesians 1, 17 through 23 prayer asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, in the, in the, in the Word of God, and the things of God. And said so the Holy Spirit just began to reveal things to him and, and he said even to the point that he told his wife, he said he'd been in ministry for years and he said, my Lord, he said, I'm so stupid. He said, what have I been preaching for all these years? Amen. So just get a copy of that and, and be sure and pray that for the church. Amen. How many of you know your prayers move mountains, right? How many, if there's someone in here that doesn't think your prayers work, then you're telling off on yourself because the Bible says the effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Maybe you're not righteous. Amen. <laughs> That's a good place to laugh. That was a joke. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. Amen. Everybody. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, this evening we want to get into the Word. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Father, to hear your word. Father, thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Father, faith that, Lord, uh, enables us to live a life that pleases you. Faith that moves mountains, Father, it comes by hearing your word. And so, Father, we thank you for the word. And we pray, God, that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, Father, that we might know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and, Lord, what is the, great, the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. Father, we pray that you would just right now prepare the hearts of the people to be good ground that would receive the seed of the word, that would bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And, Father, we thank you you confirm your word with signs following in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this evening, I want to talk to you um, about keeping the lines of communication open. Amen. Um, there was a story uh, that um, back during World War One, actually back in the 1860s, uh, there was this thing that was called the Transatlantic Cable that ran from the United States all the way across the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean over into Europe, over into London, over into Paris, and it was... You know, it was uh, the sole means of communication. Unless you took a boat and you went across the ocean uh, to deliver messages, it was during the age of telegraph. And they would use this, uh, this cable to transmit telegraph signals across the ocean. And so it was the only form of communication. It was the, way, it was the primary way that America would get news from Europe what was, what was going on. Well, you understand, what was it around 1917, 1916? World War I broke out. And uh, one of the things that happened as, as the war went on and as it drug on, and, and you know, your history, you know, I, I was a history minor, so in college, so just bear with me. Uh, world War One, the thing that it, w that it was its uh, trademark that it was notorious for was trench warfare, that it become a war of attrition. In other words, they were the technology that they were fighting with um, out 
out uh, was a, a beyond the strategy they used. They were still trying to use old strategies to fight. You know, let's charge across the field. Well, there's a machine gun nest across the field that's going to mow the guys down as quick as they can come. And so it became a war of attrition where people were just being slaughtered. I mean, the the, the great I think the greatest single uh, casualties in single days are still some of the wars that were fought in France, uh, where I mean, in one day, twenty thousand people dead. We don't fight wars like that anymore. Never in the history of warfare. And so. So as that war drug on, uh, you know, America is getting communication from Europe via this transatlantic cable, okay? And just stay with me because I don't just tell stories, just tell stories, right? You know, I got, I got a bunch of scriptures here I can give you, right? I'm just using this for a point. But this uh, cable, they would communicate back and forth from Europe, and, we, and America would get news from the war. Well, Great Britain could send news, France could send news, Germany could send news, Okay? So you're getting all this news from different sources. And, you know, how many of y'all know there's always more than one side to a story, right? You know, you, you, that's why you never do counseling, marriage counseling with one person, right? <laughs> right, amen, because, you know, that's your tale and I'm sitting on mine, right? Amen? So you've got to get both sides of the story. But anyway, uh, during the course of the war, the, uh, the transatlantic cable got cut. Yeah, and, and, you know, you can be a conspiracy theorist if you want to. A lot of people say the Brits cut it. I think some of the evidence they found historically says that Great Britain actually cut that cable and then said, hey, you know what, we'll give you all the news about the war, how the war's going. Well, how many of you all know that when that cable was cut, then all the information that the United States got was one-sided, and you look at it back through the uh, historic perspective, and that information was given to skew America's opinion about what was go- actually was going on in World War One. So that it actually enticed America to come into the war. It, it wasn't the sole factor. There were other things that played. But it, enti- it helped entice America to make decisions to enter the war and whose side they were going to enter the war on. And so my point is, is that you understand that once that line of communication was cut, then people are vulnerable to deception. Right? Well, I want to talk to you this evening about is, is that God when he created the earth and when he created man, um, that um, he actually he, uh, had something in place, actually two things in place, to communicate his will to man. Amen. And so we want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Amen. Y'all bear with me because I believe that I have uh, not printed the right notes that I want to. Amen. So I will uh, get it. Would you like to step in my office? There's an open document on my folder. Uh, it's an unnamed open document and print it, and I can go ahead and teach. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Um, the Bible says in Genesis, and we'll just look at one twenty six. it says, uh, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all the, uh, the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. He created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the, uh, the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on it. And so we see that God created man and we keep going back to this because these first couple of chapters in Genesis straightens out a lot of your theology. 
Because there's, if you get this wrong, how many of you know you get this wrong, then it, you know, one of our instructors at Bible school, he drew a straight line on a, a dry erase board one time, and he drew, and he said, this straight line represents truth, right? He said, how many of you know, he said, any uh, diversion you take off of this line of truth, he said, the further you follow it out, the, fur- the further you get from what truth is. Okay, here's another example. If you're, uh, if you're flying in an airplane and you're flying from Valdosta to Orlando and you get half a degree off, okay, odds are when you put down, you're probably still going to be on the dirt and you're probably still going to be in the United States someplace, but you're not going to be in Orlando, half a degree off driving, you know, flying that short of a distance. But if you leave Atlanta flying to uh, Los Angeles and you're half a degree off, how many of you know the further you go on that wrong course, the further you're going to deviate from what the, the line of truth is? Thank you, Pastor Mark. And so uh, we look at this in, in Genesis. God created man and placed him on the earth and told, uh, told the man, you're going to rule on the earth. I'm, you are to subdue the earth, to have dominion. And the word dominion literally means to have rule over the earth. And so this is the question that we keep asking. And some of you go, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, here it comes again. But this is the question. If Adam doesn't sin, where is Adam going to be at today? God's plan never was. He was going to be right here on the earth. He's still going to be in the garden. Why? Because God, when he created Adam and he placed him on the earth, he had no intention of, oh, this is my man Adam, and I'm going to create him. And one day Adam's going to get old and decrepit, and he's going to die, and then he's going to come up to heaven and live with me, and then we'll have a good old time. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. Okay, right? The hymn. Yeah, remember I heard, we sang that. Okay, so God creates man, and man's understand it's God, man's place is on the earth. Jesus, and remember our prayer, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just We need to think about some of the things that we say we believe because sometimes religion has handed this stuff and tradition has handed this stuff that's nowhere to be found in the Bible. What sense does it make? that God, Because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, you follow it out. God made this, God spoke to this and said this, and God made this and God made that, and God said it was good. God said it was good. God created the, the earth. It's good. It's good. And he created man. It, oh, it's very good. Right? God did not create the earth to be destroyed. You understand destruction. Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Here's another one of these little landmark verses I like to give that will straighten out our theology. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All right? So if something steals, kills, or destroys, who's the author of it? Satan, not God. Well, you understand that if, if God did not create the earth to be destroyed. Okay? Now there's going to be some refining going on, right? Peter talks about that the, the heavens and the earth will melt away with a fervent heat. But this is the thing. I, I remember the particular church I grew up in, man, there was a song they used to sing, and boy, you'd get people fired up, and they'd hoop and holler and shout. You know, says, I read the back of the book, and we win. Well, you wonder, did you read the back of the book? Right? Because this, you know, the streets of gold and the walls of jasper and, and the gates of pearl that we read about is on the new Jerusalem, a city that God has created that's coming down from God out of heaven to the new earth. I just tell people all the time, man, if it messes with you too bad, just think of it this way. Wherever Jesus is for eternity, I'm going to be there. And when it's on the new earth, I'm going to be able to tell the religious people, told you so. Amen? 
You think God would let me do that? You think God would let me give somebody a flying raspberry? Is that what they call it? No, I'm just kidding. Amen. But there's going to be a new earth. Why? Because God's original intention was, I'm creating an earth, I'm creating this planet to put my man on so that my man... Can so I can rule on the how's it, Pastor? Also, so that God can be in the unseen realm and He can rule on the seen realm of the earth through the unseen of the spirit of the man that's on the scene. Amen. You follow that? That God, the whole intention was, I'm creating this earth. God, His will to expand His influence in the universe. In other words, I'm creating a place where I can put someone that's going to be just like me. Amen. Because the Bible says. Man was created in God's likeness and in His image. And I talked about this a little bit this morning. Uh, likeness, uh, uh, you know, likeness actually refers mostly to his character. Character and manner and, and his man's nature was like God. And image, actually, uh, you understand this. God, when we, get, when we stand before the throne of God, God is not going to be some whoo, mystical, just spooky, spark, you know, floating sparkly cloud like you saw in Star Trek in the 1960s when you were a kid. Right? The reruns. Because I ain't that old, praise God. That's not what God has a form. When we stand before God, when we stand before the judgment, He's going to look. He's going to have the physical form of a man. Really, it's a misnomer to say that God is going to have the physical form of a man. It's better to say man has the physical form of God, because we were created in His likeness and in His image, right? So God has legs. God has arms. God has a head. God has eyes and a mouth, right? So man was created in God's likeness. And God says, I'm going to make him in my image. In fact, so much, he's going to look so much like me, I'm going to call him my son. Now, some religious people are going to be going, tilt, tilt, tilt. Did, did the preacher just say that Adam was God's son? Well, no, the Bible said Adam was God's son. I'm just repeating what the Word said. So oh, you're going to have to prove that to me, Pastor. Well, I'm glad you asked. Luke, turn to Luke 3.38. How many of y'all love reading genealogies out of the Bible? Don't you just love 40 verses of begat, 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 begat? He begat this one, and they begat that one, and this one was the son of that one, and this one was the son of that one. I love about 40 verses of that, don't you? Let's just be honest. That's usually the part you skip over, right? You're like, yeah, 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 I know. There's a whole lot of begatting going on, and as long as begatting's going on, people will be getting made, right? Amen. Some of you will get that. Amen. Luke 3, and I'm just going to start out with verse 23. It says, And when he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being supposedly the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jani, the son of Joseph. And it goes on and on and on from verse 24 on down to verse 38, a bunch of begats, 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 the son of, the son of, the son of. Read verse 38. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, Seth, that's the son of Adam, uh, the son of Adam, Adam, the son of God. Your Bible, amen. Whether it's a King James Version, New King James Version, New American Standard, your Bible says that Adam was the son of God. Amen. And so he's created after, after God's likeness and his image, and we know the story. God puts the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden, and he says, don't touch that. Don't, he actually says, don't eat it. Eve said, don't touch it and don't eat it. But God said, don't eat it. The day you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Okay? 
And so we all know the story, right? Amen. Eve eats the fruit. She's, she's deceived. She eats the fruit. Okay? Adam sees her eat the fruit. And she's, you know, it's not like she went, oh, I wonder what it tastes like. Crunch. <laughs> and just fell over. Right? Adam sees it and he goes, wait a minute. She's not dead. Maybe I ought to try this stuff. Maybe God was wrong. Let me try. Crunch. Okay? This is the thing. And you understand, Adam and Eve, they don't stop breathing. But did they die? Yes, they died. And the reason we say this is you realize anytime you introduce a subject, like we shared this with some folks coming up, anytime you introduce a subject, you, there has to be a defining of terms to make sure that when we're when I say something, you know what I'm talking about. You know, if, if I say, you know, if we're working on a car, and uh, and I say, you know, hand me, you know, such and such wrench or whatever, and I call it one thing and you call it another, we're not going to understand each other, right? In other words, there has to be a defining of terms. I'll spare the example I used this morning. I mean, of snickerdoodle, right? Some of y'all remember the snickerdoodle example. But we need to make sure we're talking about the same thing. So, but, so God said if you eat it, you're going to die. But they kept on breathing, okay? In, in Genesis, you're there. In Genesis 1, let's look over Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 7 says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, is what the New American Standard says. Now, you read this out, it says a living being. If you study this out in the, in the original language, it says God breathed into man's nostrils and man became a, a, an alive. This is what, if you look it up in Greek, the word living means alive. And soul, King James says uh, man became a living soul. That word soul is a breathing creature. Breathing creature. So the Bible says that God breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and man became an alive breathing creature which could lead you to this conclusion that if there is an alive, breathing creature, right? Because we would think the way we define, the way most people will define live or living is you can fog up a mirror if we stick it underneath your nose. You know, check them, see if they're alive. Ever do it in the fire department, bro? You stick a mirror in their nose and see if they fog it up or something, right? That's how we would define alive. Are they sucking wind? If we stick a mirror under the nose, is their breath going to steam it up? God, so obviously, if God makes the distinction in Scripture that when he breathed the breath of life into man, man became a living, breathing creature, then obviously just breathing oxygen into your lungs and breathing carbon dioxide out doesn't qualify as life in God's book. Right? What was it that made man a, an alive, breathing creature? It was the breath of life that God breathed into man. Right? Well... What was the breath of life? Amen? Can we speculate? Can we, can we see? What was the breath of life? I will submit this to you, that the breath of life was the Holy Spirit. And we can look at some scriptures. Hopefully we'll get to, you know, uh, the Bible talks about, you know, the Holy Spirit in the, New Te- you know, all, in the Old Testament. The word uh, that's translated to spirit is, is a puff or blast of wind. In the New Testament, in the Greek, we look at the word pneuma, and it means air or puff of wind. So when God breathed into Adam, all the rest of these animals, now he's created the birds of the air, he's created the cattle, he's created all the beasts of the earth, and guess what? 
They're breathing creatures. But they're not alive breathing creatures. Why? Because they don't have a spirit and they do not have the spirit of God in them. God breathed into Adam and he, and he made him uh, a, a living uh, and alive breathing creature. Amen? And so you understand this? We know the rest of the story. Well, let me, visit, let me stay on this for a minute. Is that, and we said this. How did God... Now understand, the whole purpose, what's the original intent? Because I'm telling you, we have to. if you don't get this right, you'll mess up the whole rest of the story of the Bible. God's purpose is man's on the earth so that God's kingdom would come and His will would be done on the earth just like it was in heaven. Because see, God is a very single-minded person. God, when He, when he sets a goal and He says, this is what I'm going to do, this is what my plan is, God's going to get it done. And this is the thing. I, I like, you know, Pastor Mark tweeted this. He said, it's nice to help me if I get this wrong, is that the, when God gives you an assignment and when God places a purpose on your life, the only person that can keep you from fulfilling it is yourself. You understand this is that, uh, you know, I, I've read there's a gentleman named E.W. Kenyon. He said, most Christians are not defeated. They simply give up. Well, how many of you know God ain't going to do that? When God says, I have a purpose and I have an intention, uh, 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 an intention that I'm going to carry out, God says, man, when I send my word out, it's going to accomplish what I send it to do, period. End of conversation, right? You're not going to back God off of it. So God's intention is, I am going to place man on the earth. He's going to carry out my will on the earth. Well, how do we realize God's will? Well, did God come and speak to the man and talk to him and give him instruction? Sure, did we have that account in the book of Genesis that God said, you know, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, but see that over there? I don't want you to do it. I don't want you to eat that. Don't You leave it alone, right? And then the other way is when God breathed into man, he breathed his spirit into man. And you understand this, that God, the same, and see if this sounds familiar, see if it sounds like what we should really be doing today as born-again, spirit-filled believers God reveals His will through His Word and through His Spirit. And so if God wanted Adam to fulfill His will on the earth, Adam had to have not just the Word of God, but the Spirit of God. Because you understand this, even after the fall, Adam had, Adam had God's Word. What was missing? The Spirit. Why? Because he had sinned against God. He had broken the commandment of the king. And when he did that, that act of disobedience to God's word, the Bible says in Romans, what is it, Romans the uh, fifth chapter, it says, uh, Romans 5.12 says that death entered the world through sin. And remember this, sin is simply disobeying the word of the king. God says do something and you, refu you refuse to do it. This is a good thing for us to remember. Sin is not just it's not limited to just doing something God says not to do. But the Bible also says, I believe over in the book of James, it says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. If you want to get fancy with it, there's sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of commission, you actually have to do something contrary to what God said to, uh, to, to not do. But sins of omission is when God says, do this and you don't do it. Right? Hallelujah. But you understand this is that so sin entered the world, or excuse me, death entered the world through sin. But Adam and Eve, you read the Bible, they lived for hundreds of years after that. The death that God was talking about was the lines of communication, if you will, got cut. See, you thought that was just a crazy little history story I was throwing in at the beginning, didn't you? Amen. 
So what happened here is, is that when Adam and Eve, when they sinned and they died in their spirit, their spirit died. Now understand this. Being spiritually dead is not the same as not having a spirit. Right? You have a spirit, it's just dead. Right? It's like you, you carrying something dead around with you. It's not live, there's no life in it, but it's there. Why? Because God says, I've got a remedy to where I can get back and I can get some life back up in that thing because I'm the God that calls dead things to life. Amen? So Adam didn't lose his spirit. He died spiritually. Well, this is the thing. When he died, amen, let me give you this. Romans 8, 14, what's it say? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Was Adam a son of God? So obviously he had to be led by the Spirit, right? There's a little bit of script. There's my scriptural support to, to let you know that Adam... You know, the, the purpose of the Spirit. He had the Spirit and the Word. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if Adam was a son of God and we have the testimony of the Scripture that he was, then Adam obviously had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He had to be a Spirit-filled man, right? He had the Word of God. He was, he was filled with the Spirit of God. And so God spoke to him through that. As a matter of fact, you need to, uh, to realize this. So that, that God would communicate. He would lead Adam. Now, right, and some of this, you understand some of this, the Bible, there are things in the Bible that are explicitly stated, and there are some that are implicitly stated, right? This has to be implicitly, because if, if we know he has the Word, because God spoke the Word and gave him instructions. Well, the Word also says that he was a son of God, and the Scripture also testifies that if, you, if he was a son, then he had to be led by the Spirit, right? So you understand this, is that when he sinned and he died spiritually, his spirit man died those lines of communication were cut. And so remember the example that I give you. When that line of communication was cut, it increased uh, the, in the story, when that transatlantic cable was cut, it increased the United States' vulnerability to deception, misinformation. Well, you understand that when Adam sinned and he died spiritually, guess what? It opened up the world to... The death came in, but it made mankind so much more, more vulnerable to misinformation and deception about who is God to the point now that people in the church that got the same Bible we have believe that God's just some big old gray-bearded grandpa sitting in the sky that's waiting for you to mess up so he can bust you with a hammer, bust you with his club, throw a lightning bolt at you or something. People will have the same book that think that, God, that God's grace is giving people license to live any way they want to so they can slide on in, into heaven and they don't, have to, you know, they don't have to go to hell when they die. You understand that because, of all, because the lines of communication have been cut, there are people who don't realize that God is a heavenly Father that loves you, who wants more than anything, to, He loves you, He wants to, uh, if, if, if a person is dead spiritually, He wants that person to be born again, He wants to fill them with His Spirit. So Why? Because he still needs man for his kingdom to come and his will be done on the earth just like it is in heaven. Why? Because remember, God's got a, God is single and single purposed. I'm going to have my will and I'm going to have my kingdom and my will done on the earth because that was the original intent. Amen? And God is not going to be defeated. I tell people this all the time. If, if in the end, God, if, if redemption does not get the earth back the original intention, the way it was when Adam was first placed on it, if it's anything other than that, then God, then the devil successfully thwarted God's intentions. 
And I do not, I don't know about you, but I do not believe for one minute that, the, that God is ever going to let the devil pull one over on him and thwart his original plans. It's not going to happen. Amen. God's plans will come to pass. Amen. Because when they, I've already said this, when he sends his word forth, it accomplishes that which he sends it to do. Amen. And so understand this. God, so the lines of communication were cut. Man spiritually died because you understand dead stuff, unless God speaks it and resurrects it, dead stuff don't talk. Amen. Pastor Martin did a sermon one time called, uh, called Why Are You Letting Dead Stuff Talk to You? Amen. If you, if you got stuff in your past that, that died, that's covered by the blood, don't let it talk to you anymore, right? But you understand this, dead stuff, unless God speaks life to it, dead stuff can't hear. So you understand your spirit. So man is in this condition, I'm spiritually dead. Well, you understand this, we want to give you some other verses, okay? This is some verses here we just want to let you know. So the lines of communication, God's going to lead you by his spirit. You understand this, that the word of God speaks of every facet of your life generally speaking you understand what i'm saying god's not god can't tell you uh, now chuck on this day of this month i want you to make a left i don't want you to drive home your regular way i want you to drive a couple miles out of your way and turn up this road and come this way why well there might be someone i'm bringing you across their path to share the gospel with there might there might be danger on this way, but I want to lead you and guide you this way and take you out of. Well, you understand that's a specific instruction. You can't find book, chapter, and verse for that, right? But we, but the Bible speaks to everything in life generally. But the Holy Ghost is is who He is the person who is going to tell you things specifically in your life. And the sad thing is, there's too many, there's so many believers that though may they. Some people say they deny the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in the Holy Ghost. Truth is, they'll give lip service to the Holy Ghost, but they don't know Him. They're not filled with Him. They don't have any experience with Him beyond the new birth. Amen? I want to give you some scriptures here real quick, and, we're going to try, and I'm going to try to move on because I'm trying to get someplace with this. Amen? The, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. For as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. How many of us, we've heard that before, right? And I remember growing up when I was in the church, you know, we would read this uh, scripture, and, and people, you know, it would just come across like, man, I'm just so low down. I, you know, I don't even think like God thinks. And it, w- and, and it would come across in a real condemning way. Aren't, don't you feel like such a dummy because you don't think like God thinks? Huh? Have you, have you heard it before? And so and this is the thing. So is this the truth that man in his lost condition doesn't think like God does? Yes, it's true. And you understand this? What did Jesus come, repent, uh, come preaching? Repent. Change, and repent literally means change the way you think. Right? This scripture isn't just, isn't just saying... Oh, you, you know, you just ain't seen the ball since the kickoff. You, ain't, you don't think like God and you're just a mess. No, God, he's given us the testimony of Scripture that man in his fallen state doesn't think like God thinks. So there needs to become a changing of mind. There needs to become a reestablishing of things that were lost, things that have died that need to be uh, brought back to life. Amen? You understand this? Proverbs twenty twenty seven. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. It says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching the inward parts of the belly. Amen? Do we have that one sitting? Yeah, we got that. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the innermost parts of the being, is the New American Standard translation. In other words, God, if you if God is going to get illumination or revelation to you, it's going to come through your spirit. Okay? 
Uh, we just finished up here on Wednesday nights a, a, a series on three-part nature of man. You are a three-part being. You understand this. The real you is your spirit, right? Because the real you is your spirit. It's the eternal part of you. That It's never going to die. It's never going to cease. It's eternal. You, ha- you are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, and you, ha- and you live in a body. And your body is the vehicle your spirit man lo- uses to get around on the earth. Matter of fact, your body is your spirit's license to operate on the earth. If you get your license revoked, you ain't doing nothing else on God's earth, right? So all three are important. Well, you understand this, that the spirit of man is the lamp or the candle of the Lord. And it says it searches all the innermost parts of the being. In other words, if God's going to get revelation to you, if He's going to illuminate something to you, He's going to get it to your spirit. Amen? Well, this presents a problem if someone's dead, doesn't it, right? Because dead people don't hear. Amen? Unless unless there's some anointed speech, unless it's somebody that says, Lazarus, come forth. Amen? In general... Dead things don't, don't listen. So if we had, so at some point there has to be something has to happen. Amen. Well, turn if, with me if you would to John chapter three. Amen. We're going to give you some stuff. Do you understand this? The church has done a very good job of teaching. You got to get born again. You got to get born again. You must be born again, right? And and certainly not to downplay the significance of this. Amen. Just stay with me carefully. I don't want anyone thinking, well, you know, Pastor Brian, he's downplaying uh, the importance of the new birth, but you need to understand this. Amen? You must be born again. Jesus met with one man sometime between, sometime around 3 o'clock in the morning named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was the leader of the Pharisees, and he's talking to Jesus, and Jesus says, you got to be born again. Okay? One time in Scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ tells someone, you have to be born again. He told it to one man at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, he told one man at 3 o'clock in the morning, you've got to be born again. But to the masses of people, he preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We were laughing about it on the way up because, you know, uh, we were talking about, you know, some of the disciples, man, if they got maybe a little tired of, of hearing Jesus, they said, oh, Jesus was a whole lot more fun before we started teaching this kingdom of heaven stuff. All he talks about, kingdom this, kingdom that, kingdom this, kingdom that. I sure wish we'd just go back to teaching some good sermons. And Because you, you realize, Jesus, all he talked about was the kingdom of heaven. When he talked to the crowds of people, he said, he said, look, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. The kingdom of, me- of heaven is like a man that goes and sows seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a, tr- is like a mustard tr- uh, tree, the, the, you know, the mustard plant. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a, a, a treasure and buried in a field and goes and sells all he has and then just comes back and gets it. I'm telling you what, you begin to look at stuff through the paradigm of the kingdom and it changes all of it, don't you? Because our default setting has been when we see kingdom of heaven, we think, oh, he's talking about heaven. He's not talking about heaven. If he was talking about heaven, he'd say heaven is like this or heaven is like that. or heaven. Is... But he says the kingdom of heaven is like this or like that. Amen? And so Jesus meets Nicodemus. And he's ta- And I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see, that means know or comprehend or become acquainted with the kingdom of God of heaven. Wow. Now get this. 
Jesus is saying the new birth is not an, it is not an ends. It's, it's a means to an end. The church, for so long, we've presented the message, oh, you got to get born again, you got to get born again. Why? Just so you can get born again so you don't go to hell when you die. Why? So you can go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus so you don't go to hell when you die. Why? So you don't go to hell. Right? We've treated the new birth, and we've all probably met people like this, that they get born again. I mean, have a genuine experience with Jesus Christ. They get born again, and they think, I have arrived. Right? They, they, they think, I have arrived, I'm born, I'm born again, I've arrived, I have crossed the finish line, when the truth is, they just laced up their Nikes and just got their running shoes on, and they're just warming up, getting ready to go. You understand, Jesus said, look, the purpose of the new birth was just to get you in to the kingdom. Let me read on here. Jesus said, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, Look, if you're going to enter into the kingdom, you've got to be born of the water and born of the Spirit. Now, lots of theological debates have been done about this, but I like what Pastor Earl said. You know, i got three babies. Right? My oldest is five. got a five, a two... And a one-year-old, glory to God. And I ain't, and I haven't like, like, like just pulled my hair out yet, glory to God. Right? I still got my sanity, right? I got three kids, five and under. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Shulah. Hallelujah. So anyway, Jesus is, is saying, hallelujah. I have three kids. So Jesus is saying, "Look, you get born again. You've got to be. You got what, my kids. Every one of them. I was there for all three of them when they were born. Cut the cord, amen. Cut the, it's all the mess that you don't want to see after the cord, right? Hallelujah. But I was there. But you know, every one of my children when they were born, there was something that broke before they were born. Help me out here." The woman's water broke. You know, this, this sounds kind of dumb, but it's really kind of simple. You know, before you can be born again, you have to be born the first time, right? Jesus is saying you've got to be born of the water and then born of the Spirit if you're going to enter into the kingdom. Because this is the thing, because God wants the kingdom, His kingdom come on earth, right? Well, if, if you're going to be part of the kingdom that's on earth, you got to be you got to have access into the earth, and the first way you get there is through the water, right? Amen. A person is born of the water. Well, then he says you have to be born of the Spirit. You have to be born of the water, born of the Spirit. Well, this is the thing. When we get this whole term, born again, what's getting born again? Your spirit. Why? Because your spirit is dead. The lines of communication have been cut because your spirit, man, is dead. You're, you're, uh, you are a breathing creature, but you're not an alive breathing creature. Why? Because Adam's little uh, present that he left you when he brought uh, sin and death into this world, Paul said, he said, there was a time when I was alive, he said, but then sin revived and I died. Amen? So his, your spirit man died. So Jesus is saying, look, 
don't get hung up on the new birth because the new birth is just a, a way, is just a means to an end. The end is to get you into the kingdom, not to just so you can say, I was born again. Jesus said, you can't see the kingdom. You can't know it. You cannot be acquainted with it unless you get born again. So, yes, you must be born again. It's a prerequisite, but it's not the end of the journey. It's the means to get you into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? God wants you in the kingdom. Well, you understand this, that once you get, you know, uh, you understand this, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. So understand this, God has had this desire because it's all, please help me, and God help, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me to communicate this in a way that we can get a hold, that people can get a hold of it, that I don't lose them. Amen? Big picture. God is trying to get people, He's trying to get the kingdom back in. He's trying to get the original intention back, right? What has to happen first? People have, those things that are dead have to be made alive, right? That spirit that's dead, you got to be born again, okay? Boom. Now, if we've got you born again, and understand this, Ephesians chapter 2, I want to give you some scriptures here to, to, to support the fact you were dead. The Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You understand this, that before you were born again, the Holy Spirit here speaking through Paul is just reinforcing the fact, yeah, you were alive. You may have had your body, you were walking, you were born of the water. You grew up, you were walking, you were talking, you were breathing. But guess what? You were dead. Why? Because the real you is your spirit. And you understand this, that dead just means that you've been cut off from the life of God in Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says? That the, in other words, you don't have that effect. You don't have the life of God flowing into you, and communication has been cut off. Amen. I, let's let's take a look at some other stuff. Colossians, Colossians uh, uh, 2.13. Colossians 2.13 says, And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our transgressions. Amen. In other words, here again, Paul saying, man, you were dead. You were spiritually dead. You were walking around, but you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were separated from God. Amen? And so, you understand this? There was a necessity for man to be born again. And so, if we're working toward this. So, I've got man born again. Now, I've got to get something back else back into him. Let me, let me get to, look at this. So, Jesus is saying someone has to be born again. Turn to John chapter 20. I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, but praise God, aren't you glad for it? Amen? I told you I had more than just a little story to tell you, didn't I? John chapter 20. So, this is after Jesus has been crucified. This is after the resurrection. And Jesus is, is preparing to appear to his disciples. Remember, they're, I mean, they're up in the upper room. Jesus is going to appear to them. And John 20, verse uh, 21, Jesus therefore said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute, Pastor Brian. I thought they received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. I thought we'd go over to Acts chapter 2, and, they, and that's where they got the Holy Ghost. Well, yeah, they did get filled with the Holy Ghost then. But what does this say? I had one of our instructors say one time, do you think that God just gave him a little Holy Ghost nugget? Here's a little Holy Ghost nugget to hold you over until the day of Pentecost. Amen. Here's your little Holy Ghost snack to make do. No, 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 no. 
Does this sound familiar? Now let's go back to original tense. God breathed the breath of life into man, and man became a, an alive, breathing creature. God breathed the breath of life. Well, you understand this. Everything that the disciples did during the ministry of Jesus, all the miracles that they did, uh, when they went out and they took authority over demons and over spirits, they were spiritually dead. Why? Why can we say that? You understand the new birth was not available. When did the new birth become available? When Jesus Christ died on the cross and he shed his blood and then he took that blood and he poured the blood out on the mercy seat of heaven, then the new birth was available. But everything, the whole time he ministered, and you understand Jesus didn't need to be born again because he was sinless, right? But the new birth that Jesus came and made available to men, the disciples never operated under that the whole time of Jesus' earthly ministry. So I submit to you this point, that when Jesus appeared to them again, Jesus said, look, I'm going to get this thing back to the original intent, and here's just one more thing. I've already died. I've already paid the price for your sin. I've already did the, the started the, the ball rolling of what we need to do to redeem you. Now let me go ahead and get you boys back alive. Let me give you some breath of life again. And so when Jesus breathed on them, and this was after the new birth was available, I submit to you that the disciples were born again right then. Right? Hallelujah, Pastor Brian, we have arrived, we're born again. No, 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 baby. We're working on something here because we're going to get it back the way it was. Listen, fellas, this is what, let's turn over to the book of Acts. Amen. Book of Acts. Hallelujah. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read eight verses here for you because I think that, because we're reinforcing some things. You understand this, every time the word is preached or taught, the intention is either to form a new belief that you don't have or to reinforce a pre-existing belief that you have giving you further scripture for it, right? So Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up and after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them uh, over a period of 40 days and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. Come on, man. Jesus was eat up with it, wasn't he? You think about it. He preached and taught kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. He comes back after he's raised from the dead, and he spends 40 more days talking with the disciples about the things about the kingdom of God. Amen? When we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people say, when Paul talked about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you understand, did Jesus preach the gospel? Amen. Did Jesus preach the gospel? Yes, Jesus preached the gospel. Did Jesus go around openly preaching the death, burial, and resurrection? No. Show me in Scripture. He mentioned it toward the end of his, career, the end of his ministry before Jesus was going to be crucified. He began to share with his disciples privately that he was going to go to the cross and die. Remember that whole thing about Peter rebuking him and Jesus saying, hmm, you get behind me, Satan. Right? So this whole time, Jesus, his whole ministry, he's preaching, the, the gospel that Jesus preached was the gospel of the kingdom. He was completely eat up with it. That. that was his, he was eat up with it. He was consumed with it. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And you understand, let's just say it this way, the kingdom a kingdom is a form of government, right? When God started this whole thing, 
And I, and I challenge you, just go home and get out of a dictionary and look up the word government and see what the purpose of a government is. A government is to pass laws, regulations. It establishes uh, uh, codes of conduct that's acceptable for its citizens. It offers protection and benefits to those who are under its authority. Does that sound like what God was doing in the very beginning? He placed a man here and he said, I am your government. I am your king. I am the one. I pass laws. I tell you how to live. And this thing we need to understand, Jesus was coming back saying, I am establishing the government, the rule. And, and, and we say this. See, you break it down this plane, and a lot of people, especially in America, we kind of, we kind of recall, oh, you talk, can't, what are you talking about kingdom? What are you talking about another government? Right? What do you mean? But this is the thing. I've, those of you that heard me teach several times, faith does what to what you think, say, and do? Your faith governs what you think, say, or do. So it's, this, this isn't some strange concept. It's just, you know, it's like when you go to the eye doctor and he puts your, prescript, your old prescription in the little thing and then he starts tweaking it. Which looks better, this or this? This or this? This or this? Okay? You might have thought you could see good when you first went in, but then when he starts making those little tweaks on that little thing, you go, wow, that's even better. When we talk about seeing stuff through the paradigm, through the lens of looking at it at, at the kingdom, if you've, been in, if you've been in the Word at all in your life, all it is is sitting down in an optometrist's chair and he's going, click, click, which is better, this or this? And you're going to go, and I promise you, when you begin to see the kingdom, you're going to go, whoa, this is a whole lot better. Because I've seen Word of Faith and I've seen this and that and I've seen Charismatic, but man, click, click, man, this, is, this makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, because all that stuff we learned about faith and confession and confessing the Word and, and speaking to the mountain and using our faith, yeah, that's all good, man. But you know what? Click, it makes even better sense now because I can see it even better through that. Thank you for making this little adjustment. Amen? So Jesus, he, Jesus, he's talking to him about the kingdom, verse 4. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said... You heard of me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, wait a minute. Didn't he just in John chapter 20 breathe on them and tell them to receive the Holy Ghost? What, did they lose him already on the way to the, the mountain? What, you know, did they walk up and Jesus go, Man, where's the Holy Ghost? I can't believe it. You lost him, didn't you? You turned your back on him for one minute and you lost the Holy Ghost. No, Jesus didn't do that. Amen. He said, he said, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it this time you will restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they're talking kingdom. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Understand this now quickly. Lord, help me get Luke chapter 5. Keep that in mind. Remember what we're saying. That Jesus breathed on them. And just like in the beginning when God breathed into man's nostrils and man became an alive, breathing spirit, until Jesus shed his blood on the cross, mankind was spiritually dead. First thing we have to do, if we're, if we're going to get the kingdom reestablished back, if we're going to get the kingdom of God reestablished, First thing has to happen, we've got to get that dead stuff brought back to life, right? And then what was another missing in ingredient, okay? We've got, to get, we've got to get the governor back in. We've got to get the Holy Ghost back in. Why? Because how did man, because we've got the word, how did, how did God 
want to lead. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So I want to, these are going to be my sons. Because what the book of does the Gospel of John say? As many as received Him, He gave the power to become Christians. Is that what it says? The Bible says, as many as receive Him, He gave the power to become the sons of God. Jesus didn't even come to make Christians. He came to make sons. Amen? When you plant a seed, when you plant corn, are you planting corn going, boy, I can't wait till this wheat comes in? Somebody look at you like something's wrong with you. Uh, dude, um, you may not have a degree in agriculture and you may not grow up on a farm, but if you're planting corn, you're probably not going to reap wheat. Why? Because seeds reproduce after their own kind. Hello, so if God sowed a son, what do you think he's expecting to reap? Sons. Amen? So, amen. Here in Luke um, chapter 5, so God is saying, I'm, I'm, we're going to get things back to where that. Uh, and Luke chapter 5, verse 38. How many of you all know that the, in the Bible, uh, wine and oil are types of the Holy Spirit? Amen? And Jesus is talking here. I'm going to start in verse 36. And he was also telling them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it in an old garment. Otherwise, uh, he will both tear the new piece uh, will we'll tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. Verse 37. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must go into fresh wine skins. When Jesus breathed on the disciples and he said, Receive the Holy Ghost, they were born again. Their spirits were made alive. The Bible says if any man's in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature, Right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Guess what? God knew, okay, I'm getting this back to the original intent. And if I want to get, i got to get this man, if I'm going to put new wine, if I'm going to put new wine in the man, i got to have a new wine skin. I can't be putting it in an old dead spirit. So you understand, if we're still looking at the, the big picture, God's saying we're working it back to where, it's, where I want it to be. I'm going to have this man that's going to be born again, and I'm going to, uh, when he's born again, I'm going to put my spirit back in him. And real quick, and I'm going to finish it up with this. Amen? Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Pastor Earl, he touched on this a little bit last week, but this is good. We need to see this. Again, take some time with this, because remember, and I, I'm very redundant by my own admission, but we are wanting you to realize we are talking about reestablishing the lines of communication. I'm reading a book right now. Uh, that Josh Clay let me borrow by a guy named Rick Renner, and it's called uh, Doctrines of Demons and, and uh, Doctrines of Devils and Deceiving Spirits. Is that what it's called? And uh, it ta it's based on out of Timothy. When Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, in the last days, there's, you know, the people are going to depart from the faith. They're going to have itching ears. They're going to be looking for someone that's going to tell them what they want to hear. I'm okay. You're okay. Hey, don't worry about trying to live up to God's standards anyway because you know we're all under grace and it's all good baby just do your thing I'm going to tell you what the, the way that grace is being presented in a lot of churches today there's not a more there's not a bigger doctrine of demons than the way grace is being misinterpreted and taught in a lot of churches it sounds a lot like the message that the Gnostics used to teach back in the New Testament well you know the flesh is just matter and matter's evil so it doesn't matter what you do in your body because the blood's got you covered anyway See, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. There's, there's a lot of stuff that's being taught now that the, old, that, the, that the early church had to deal with. So see, what I'm talking about is, is if we can get the lines of communication, 
reestablished to where we can clearly hear what the Spirit of God has to say. And you understand this. You have to be a student of the Word. You have to be attuned to the Spirit. You're not going to get it by spending four or five hours an evening watching TV, just vegging out. What you feed gets bigger, right? And if you just sit around feeding your soul, feeding your soul, your emotions, well, I like a drama. I like a good drama. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with watching a, a, a movie every once in a while that's just not smut and filth, okay? But you understand if all, you know if you you know this is the thing, man. If your TV, man, if if you turn it off, if the screen's got the Lifetime Network. You know, is that what it is? You know, the drama station or TNT? We know drama. If it, if it's etched on there because you've been watching, you know, some people they just come in, man. You know, get home six o'clock, click, and the TV stays on till midnight. Guess what? You're feeding, darling. You're not feeding your spirit. Amen. And so this is the thing: we want to be able to be in tune with the Spirit of God, so that. Because this is one of the things about the Holy Ghost. Man, glory to God. I got notes. I could, te- I could teach for three hours if y'all's backs I could take it, but I ain't going to, so don't freak out. Amen. Whew, glory to God. Are you there in 1 Corinthians? Okay. God wants us to, He does not, you do not want to be vulnerable to deception. And Paul said in writing to Timothy, man, in the last days, you might as well get used to it. There's going to be deception. And you understand that we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. There's a lot of stuff that's considered uh, church tradition that lots of traditional believers, they just accept it as truth and don't examine it in the light of Scripture, and it's deception. Amen? And, does it, and it doesn't even mean necessarily, this is the thing I tell people so long, it, have we really reduced what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us to the simple of, you go to hell or you don't go to hell? Have we reduced it to that, to that lowest common denominator? Because I personally think that what Jesus did was so much more than just you don't go to hell when you die. Right? Because you, you realize there was so much more. He came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. He came to give you a higher standard of living here on earth. He came to equip you with the Holy Ghost so you could be equipped with gifts to carry out God's, God's particular assignment for you in the earth. Okay? So He doesn't want us to be deceived. He doesn't want us to operate in deception that's going to prevent you from being able to to achieve to accomplish what he's decided, what he has for you on the earth, you understand you are valuable to God. There is something every individual in here. There is something that God has. There is an assignment that God has specifically for you to carry on the uh, out on the earth. You are not insignificant to God. God needs man for His will to be done. But this is the thing: if you can be deceived then you can be derailed from, uh, from fulfilling your purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm, I'm going to start out here um, with um, verse 7. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Here it comes. But just as it is written... Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the hearts of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. Okay? New King James, King James says, but. I tell everybody, look out for buts in Scripture. If you see but, keep on reading. If you get to a verse that starts out with but, read what it said before and then keep on reading. It says, but 
God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. What things? The things that have not that has not been beheld by the eye of man or heard by the ear of man or entered into the heart of man. God has revealed those things to His Spirit. What Those who are the sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. So God had to do something to get the spirit of the man that was dead brought back to life, get you filled with His Spirit so that He could begin to speak to you things, so He could reveal the things to you that your natural eye hasn't seen and that your natural ear hasn't heard and has not entered into your heart. God says, I've got great plans for you and I've got a great purpose for you in the earth and, but you need to be born again. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And the lines of communication need to be reestablished so that when the Holy Spirit just whispers to you, that you hear it. And see, we need to cultivate our relationship with God and with the Holy Ghost that when He speaks, that He doesn't, he doesn't have to shout. That He can just say, Mark, I want you to do this. And Mark's Spirit, Pastor Mark's Spirit, is in tune enough where He goes, I got that. And I'll tell you this, you need to train yourself to act immediately on it. Because if you procrastinate, you'll put it off. And you can miss a lot of opportunities to be used of God, to be a blessing to people, to minister to people, because you, you heard it. And this is the thing, you understand, the devil still wants to do his best to cut your transatlantic cable, even though you're born again and you're filled with the Spirit. If he can get you, if he can get you distracted with the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things in your life. If he can keep you just so busy that you just sit around just gorging your brain with five, six, seven hours of TV a day and 15-minute egg timer uh, Bible devotion. No time praying. No time praying in the Holy Ghost. Spending time connecting with God where he can download to your spirit what he wants for you. Amen. You understand this? Let me keep on reading. It says... For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that's in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. So follow this. He's asking the question. Who knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that's in him? All right? I'm looking here right now looking at Chase thinking, Chase is paying attention to me, but Chase might be thinking, man, when's he going to shut up? I'm hungry. I want some food. Right? But I don't know that, but his spirit knows what he's thinking. So this is the thing. He's saying, who knows the, the spirit of God? Who knows what God's will is except his spirit? Okay, but we don't stop there and say, oh, well, guess we're never going to know because only God knows. Only God knows. You know, somebody asks you, well, you know, what's your purpose in the earth? Only God knows. Whose fault is that? Because he's given the Spirit to reveal the things of God to you. In other words, the, the Spirit knows, the Holy Spirit knows. He says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us to, uh, by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Here's the kicker. This is why you need to be born again. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But the natural man, underline that word natural, and you can put spiritually dead. But the natural man, the spiritually dead man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. God does not want His children groping around in uncertainty. Well, did I take a long way around the mountain to get to this to you guys, right? But it was good, right? 
God does not want His children. Jesus said, we ain't going to go there, but over in John chapters 14, 15, 16, some of my, three of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Jesus, when He was telling the disciples, I'm getting ready to go away, He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. What's an orphan? Someone doesn't have mommy and daddy. What does mommy and daddy do for their children? What do you do for Lexi? You give her instruction? Give her guidance? Give her instruction? Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Someone that doesn't have a loving father to give you care and instruction and guidance. I'm not going to leave you that way. I'm going to give you another comforter. As a matter of fact, he's so good that it's to your advantage that I go away. Think about it. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, tells the disciples, Man, who I'm going to send to you, He is so good that you're going to be better off with me leaving so He can come. Why? Because He's going to live in you, and He's going to be upon you, praise God, and He's going to reveal to you the things of the Father if you'll learn how to listen and be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I'm going to wrap it up there. I don't know about you, man. I could just keep on going, but I'm, you know, don't. They say, you know, the heart can't receive more than the backside can uh, endure, right? Amen? Praise God. Well, let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus.